of the countenance of the Lord. No boundaries. Praise Him and worship Him. Spirit and truth. As y'all were doing that, as y'all was just uh, giving God everything, I could just sense thousands standing with us and just crying out to the Lord. Just praising him and worshiping him and glorifying his holy name because he's worthy. Woo! And I'm, I'm longing for that day when all of God's children around the world stand as one body in the presence of the Lamb and before God who's holy. And we shout from the top of our lungs to our voices and we praise him with great adoration of heart. That's what the Spirit wants. Your sisters are getting there. You're going places in the heavenly realm. Do you understand that every time you praise God like this, you push demons out of the way? Angels glorify God with you. And the floodgates of heaven's ears open. They're open. Open wide. Our voices open the gates of heaven because the Father wants to hear your voice. Shelly, come out of that shell and just let it go. Scream it if you have to. Let it go. Don't worry about who's watching. You all are learning that. And that's what God wants. People who are not afraid to praise Him. No matter who's favorite. Just let it go and let God. And so to God be the glory. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture. Okay. Thank you. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 today. Of all the people on the face of the earth, the Jews, the men who God, my Lord Jesus, had chosen, Jesus will tell you and tell me in John chapter 17 that God handpicked these men. God did. And he gave these men to his son Jesus. And Lord Jesus, being God's chief trainer, took these men for three and a half years. And he showed them things that no human had ever saw before. Never. And he demonstrated the power of God that was so magnificent. The last time the children of Israel seen the power of God moving from the mouth of a man was the days of Elijah. They had never seen a prophet like Elijah. But when that brother spoke, God closed up the heavens. And when he spoke again, God opened them back up and let it rain. Elijah, the only man that ever called down fire from heaven. Are you hearing me? And yet Jesus is greater than Elijah. And these apostles, these men whom God handpicked before the foundation of the world for his son Jesus. Jesus knew he was coming to train these men. And he knew that one of them would betray him. He knew that. And he knew that he was going to die a horrible death. But he had to leave the work of his father to continue by these men. That's why he came. He established the works. And these men now, with Jesus sitting back in heaven as the chief negotiator, the chief administrator of the church, the chief of the chief of all the chiefs, you hear me? As the chief high priest of a God's house. The only way men can talk to God, the only way that men's prayer can get to God, that they had to go through Jesus. Everything must 
go through Jesus. Before life comes on this earth, it must come through Jesus. Jesus is in the position where he controls everything that goes on in the universe. Everything. A person doesn't die, no matter how peaceful or how horrific, without Jesus. Everything. The laws of physics are in place. The rotation of the planets does not take place without Jesus orchestrating it. You and I, our hair doesn't change colors without Jesus, except in the Shelly. <laughs> but uh, to God be the glory. Understand what your song is saying. When Jesus allowed the spirit of the living God to rain down from heaven, things happen when the Holy Ghost shows up. We carry the spirit of God in us. But when the spirit manifests himself in such a powerful way, things happen. Are you understanding me? And these men, for the first time, citywide, there's going to be a confrontation in Jerusalem. And it's not coming from without. It's coming from within. What I mean by that? That means the church, for the first time, is getting ready to come in on itself. It's going to be a great division, great confusion. And the apostle is going to identify it, and they're going to see where the source of confusion is coming from. And they're going to do something about it because the Spirit of God in them is going to tell them, this is what I want you to do to alleviate this problem. And these two men, Brother Millie and Brother Clinton, stand up. You don't realize the importance of the job that God has given you. But today, by the Holy Ghost, you will realize the importance of your job. Because it's by you that God will stop the confusion in the church. It's by you that God will bring order and he will bring discipline and respect back to his house so that the men of God can have time for prayer and the word of God. And the word of God must be preached in its entirety. It must not be watered down. It must come forth as the day that God gave it to these men to write it down. And so, Brother Miller and Brother Clinton, if you don't know how powerful your position is today by the Holy Ghost you're going to see and you're going to hear from heaven how important your job is and you're going to see the first deacon the first martyr of the church take place because people are not going to like it when you do your job they're not going to like it it is not the apostles who highlight it here, brothers and sisters. This is God's first deacon. And if you want to know how to do your job, listen to the scriptures today. Ladies, if you want to know how to serve God, listen to the scriptures today. And you will see the requirement. The requirement to serve God means that you have to be prepared to give God your all in all. And what is your all in all? I'll spell it out for you. Your very L-I-F-E. Your life. That's how critical serving Jesus Christ is. You've got to be willing to lay down your life for him. So we're going to go before the Lord in prayer. I feel the Spirit already moved and preached to you. But God got a word for you. This is the word of God that God has for you. I'm not a prophet. Are you hearing me? I am a man that preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel that you will hear today. And I will not water it down. Are you hearing me? 
It will come forth as the Holy Ghost say so. And you're playing so beautiful, both of you. Whew. I don't know. Something is happening to me. I don't. I can't explain it. But please, Jesus is speaking through His Word to all of us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Lord, there's nothing more important than you. Lord Jesus, you set the foundation for us. The foundation of how we're to love your Father, how we're to love you, and how we're to love one another. And how we're to go out and do your work. And Lord, we're asking now by the Holy Spirit. Lord, empower us as you did these seven men on that day. And as you gave Stephen the courage to stand up and to and to be bold and to speak your word just as the Spirit gives it to him. In spite of opposition, in spite of confrontation, in spite of the threat to his life. Lord, let us learn from you today. Because Lord Jesus, Stephen modeled his life after you. And we're asking you, Lord Jesus, help us to do the same. Help us to model our lives after you. And to be the same kind of servant to you as you were to God, your Father, when you were here. Help us to do that now as the Spirit comes and teach and preach to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! To God be the glory. I wish y'all could play all the time while I'm preaching, but that's not the way of the Lord. That would be the way of Samuel. What's going on in Jerusalem right now? What in the world is happening? It's a lot of confusion taking place. Let's take a look. Luke is giving us a very descriptive account of what's taking place. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, just as it was confusion going on back then in the church, in the body of Christ, and this is a new thing happening on earth. The body of Christ is brand new. And they haven't quite yet learned how to jail together, how to walk in unison. All right? And we're going to see the spirit of confusion begin to run rapid and cause a whole lot of harm. But watch what the men of God do. And sometimes, listen, sometimes when, when, when men of God tell you things, you need to just fall in compliance without questions asked. Because by the Spirit, we know what we're doing. And you have to trust the Spirit of God through us that we know what we're doing. Amen? Amen. And if we err, we don't think the Holy Ghost won't tell us. How many times have I had to come back and tell you all, oh, I messed that one up. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. Uh, I'm sorry I said that to you. Okay? But these men is about to put God's house in order. And look how the Holy Spirit leads them to do it. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, that means the church was growing. That means the Holy Ghost is out there. He's working through the hearts and minds of these apostles. The gospel is being preached. And, and I, want to, I want to share something with you all right now. All the modern day amenities that we have in the church, like the nice fancy keyboard and guitars and drums, all this stuff, they, these brothers didn't have it. Okay? Want you to understand this. What they had was the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When they spoke, when they preached, people listened. They didn't have to run out and get programs and all other kind of things to entertain you and to make people feel good. What they had was one thing, and that was the gospel of Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they had. And when they gave it, the church grew. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord, where are the children? Where are the adults? He said, they are a generation of people that's running after the wrong things. Amen. They're seeking a God in stuff. They're seeking God in feel good stuff. But it doesn't mean a hill of being. When it comes to the final analysis, it is the Spirit of God that makes men grow. Amen. And it is the Spirit of God that fills the hunger and thirst for righteousness of Jesus Christ in us. Not what we can give you. The fancy buildings, the fancy programs, the fancy trips, and all this stuff that they do, when it comes down to it, they mean nothing. The apostles didn't have it. We'll see what they had, okay? And you ask yourself, right now, what is it that you're seeking from in Jesus? Because if you're trying to get to Jesus through all of this modern technology and all of the famous speakers and singers and stuff like that, now I'm picking on you all now. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying now? If you're trying to get to the Lord Jesus Christ by way of that way, and thank you serving God this way and honoring God by going through those things, you better relook your life again. The only thing that the Holy Ghost have to give you is himself. And in himself is the witness of Jesus Christ. He's not going to give you anything else. And yes, he will perform miracles. Yes, he will perform wonders. But he will not tolerate all this other stuff because it does nothing but the glory of God. It doesn't. So now in those days when another of the disciples was multiplying, there was a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Another word for Hellenists is Grecians. Why didn't Luke write it that way? Well, you know how we have a ministry to give people food? They had a ministry. They, they were fulfilling the obligation to feed widows and orphans. So they would come to the house of the Lord, come to the apostles for their daily distributions of their substance. Okay? The staples that they need for daily living. And so the Jews who were born in Jerusalem, they kind of favored their own people. And if we're not careful, we have the propensity to do the same. Okay? If you're from Fair White, well, you stand in the back of the line, but if you're in High Springs, you come on forward. We do have that propensity to do that. Is it right? Absolutely not. But these people, the Hellenists, they were Gentile Jews who were born outside of Israel. Really? So quite naturally, even though they were Jews, they were not favored upon as if those who were from Judea, those who were from Jerusalem, Oh, yeah, even among the Jewish ranks, there was prejudice, discrimination, folks. And not only among the Jews, but among the Christian Jews. Are you hearing this now? Within this brand new house called the church. So those who were discriminating the food 
We're favoring the widows from Jerusalem. And you get a little extra. How it was done, I don't know. I don't know how that played out. But we do know that these women who were from the outside of Jerusalem, from the outside of Israel, realized that they were being treated differently. And it created a problem. It created dissensions within the ranks of the church. And it caused a problem among the apostles. Why? Because people start running in and complaining and say, hey, look, look, they're not being fair about it. They're showing more favoritism towards the widows and orphans who are from Jerusalem, from this area. They're not treating everybody the same. And you betcha, I would feel left out too. If I know that I say I belong to Jesus, and the same requirement to feed them is the same requirement to feed me. But you decided because of where these are from, they get a little more than what I get. And it may not even been the amount that was the issue. It could have been the fact how it was done. But you got to wait in line. You got to wait. You folks from Jerusalem, from my neighborhood, you come first. Whatever the matter was, it ticked some folks off, didn't it? Uh-huh. And it caused a problem within the early church. And people, we're still doing things today that's causing problems. That's why I tell Shelly them, if there's an issue with them giving people food, come see me. Because we'll fix it. If there's an issue of doing service for somebody, I tell Clinton all the time, if we need to help somebody, they need to let us know. And if we have the means to help them, we're going to help them. I don't care where they're from. A hungry belly is a hungry belly. That's right. Amen. If a person got a flat tire and you got the means to go help them change it, go help them. Or move a piece of furniture or something. Go and do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our reason for doing it. If it's for any other reason, don't do it. And that's why you don't see me out there bragging and I start posting on Facebook how much we do. Because that was bringing attention to who? Us. Us. Is that the way Christ wants it? We want attention to go to who? God. To him. Okay? Because that's where it belongs at. So now, it's a big problem. Your Bible may say Gratian, one Bible may say Hellenist, but if you're referring to the Gentiles born outside of Jerusalem, so they've been neglected. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, so they called a meeting. So now I mean, by this time, there are thousands of followers now. Because if you go back and you study the uh, previous chapters, you'll find out that the church was growing by the thousands. So they brought a great multitude together and said, look, we need to talk about this. We would have called it today a, a business meeting. Okay? And in this business meeting, things were about to change. So here's what the apostle said. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Does it mean that these men was putting themselves above the common people? No. They didn't want things to get in the way or interfere with, the, with their priorities. And their priorities is to do what? To preach the word of God. And if they don't have time to get before the Lord and to do the preparation and all that's required, then it won't be good. It does God's no pleasure. For its people to come half cocked. Okay? So the apostle saying, look, we don't need anything distracting us from what Jesus Christ has called us to do. And to go and serve tables would take away from that which is needed. And I tell Shelly all the time, find me a hiding place, y'all. Please. I don't have it at home. I don't have it here. I need a place somewhere. That's why I drive that old van a lot, because I can get alone. 
and get my thoughts before God. Men of God need that. So there was a problem. Paul is, I mean, the apostles are addressing it. Let's see how it's handled. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the what? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and wisdom. Well, let me just stop right there. First of all, in order to have a good reputation, somebody had to do what? They had to know you. In order for you to be known, you had to be out there among who? The people. And the people had to know your works. They know that you're reliable. You can be counted on. Okay? You say you're going to do something, you do it. You show up, you do what you're supposed to do. And so the people knew these seven men. The apostles said, go and pick seven of them. Because I knew more than seven, but it came, uh, we don't know why the Holy Spirit told you to get seven. But they got seven. And then, not only a good report among people, but to have what? The Spirit of God living in them. They got to be saved. You don't want folks on the ministry team who are not saved, okay? Because eventually they're going to cause you problems. Because their spirit is going to clash with whose spirit? God. You betcha. So be careful with that. And what's the next thing he said? And be filled with what? Wisdom. What followed that? Wisdom. Wisdom. You don't want, pardon the expression, you don't want any dummies. I'm not trying to talk down on people, but you want people with a little bit of common sense, don't you? You want folks that, that can be able to think through, strategize, and come up with a good plan to make things happen. Every now and then, Clinton come to my desk and say, I said, Clint, we're going to do this. Said, no, we're not going to do that. I go, why not? Because this and this is what's going to happen. We need to do it this way. I go, you really feel strong about that? Yes. I said, okay, good. Have you got me to change my mind several times? Have you told me that me and say, hey, let's, let's do it this way? Why? Because it takes good minds from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. One person can't be dominating at all. That's why I tell you, we're a team, we're a family. Let's do it together. Let's talk through these issues. Whatever has to happen, let's make it happen. Together. Okay? God gives you something to say, hey, you know, I've got this great idea. I think of a way to reach people. Well, what's that? What is the Spirit showing you? Let's go and do this. I said, okay, put it together. All right? Evidently, God gave you the vision. You need to come, and we're supporting you how we can fit into pieces to make it one mission, right? That mission and purpose is to reach people with the gospel. And so let's do that. So these apostles are saying they're getting these seven men together. All right? They just told us three things. Number one, let them have a good reputation. That means their character is good. People know them. Number two, which I think should have been number one. I guess it doesn't matter which way it's written, but number, one, number two is always number one, right? That they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. They must be saved. Must be born again. Three, they must have some wisdom about them. That means they have to seek God for answers. Okay? And then, whom we may appoint over this business, but, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. About a month ago, I had lunch with uh, two pastors from Arkansas up at Brown Restaurant. Y'all didn't know them. We bumped into each other and ended up having lunch, and I bought them lunch on the, by WC. And one of the things, the older gentleman, about 70 years old, he looked at me, he said, Preacher, he said, God, pastors are not meant to be errand boys. And when he said that, that hit me right between the eyes. Bam! And I thought briefly, what, what do I do, Shelly? All I do is what? Errands. Errands. Back and forth. Back and forth. Most of my time in this ministry is running back and forth doing errands. We need folks to step in and run these errands, to run these tables, these tables of ministries, okay? To get the job done so that I can give myself over to prayer and the word of God.
And the laying it out here is such an extraordinary thing from the Holy Spirit. Prayer and to the ministry of the word. There is no church without the word of Jesus Christ. Okay? Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no church. What you have is just good social club, right? But the gospel itself must be paramount. It must be the nucleus of why we exist. Because it is a gospel that the Holy Spirit used to draw people into the kingdom of God. The gospel touches a heart and it tells people you have sinned against God. You're a sinner. And unless you repent by accepting God's plan of salvation by way of the cross, by God's son, Jesus, you're going to perish. But if you yield your life to Jesus, God's plan of salvation is for you. Jesus Christ has already pardoned your sins by shedding his own blood. That's for you. And the other part of the gospel the Spirit uses is that he convinces that person to lay down their life and to put it in Jesus' hand forever. It's not saying a little prayer and then come in on Wednesday night and come in on Sunday morning, folks. It's a seven-day week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all the days of your life thing. Okay? And you don't get to choose the parameters on how that's done. The Word of God gets to choose it. It has already chosen it. And by the way, this week when I was reading in the Greek the Lord's Prayer, as I was looking at the first part of it, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Uh -huh. Did you know that part, thy kingdom come, the come part is in the past tense? I looked at that and hit me between the eyes like a ton of bricks. Never seen that before. Go. Your kingdom came. Yes! It's already done in God's eyes. It's a finished deal. So God, bring it on. It's already there. Same thing for your will be done. Now look at it. Huh? It's in the past tense. Wow, how did I miss this all these years? We just got to jump on board. It's a done deal. It's already here. Jesus brought it when he came. Amen? Amen. It just got to be done. It's there. But anyway, look in here in verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. So the crowd going, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in agreement. Yes? You can do this. This is what God wants. Is that what you're saying? That it pleased the crowd? That means they was in agreement. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Wow. Remember that name. Philip, Parkos, Nicanor, uh, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. I often wondered, I was looking at them, going, why did Luke identify this one as a proselyte? Because all other was Jews. One of the deacons they chose was a Gentile. Proselyte meaning a Jew, a Gentile who had converted over to Judaism. Okay? Who's now saved by the blood of Jesus. So he's a Gentile. Not Jewish. So can you see that? And it's fitting. Think about, think about what was the chief complaint that was taking place here. What was the chief complaint? The non-Jewish widows were saying, hey, look, they're not treating us fairly. Wouldn't it be befitting by the Holy Ghost to pick a non-Jewish deacon? To make them feel that, oh, well, look, God is a God of equality. Of course he is. God is goodness how God put this together. Did you see that? One in a proselyte, okay? It's one of the deacons. And then... For whom they sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread. I wonder why. Why do you think the gospel spread? Why? Because now the apostles had time to do their job. Witnessing, yes. Yes, ma'am. You're absolutely right. That's it. Right there. They had time to do the witnessing. They had time to pray, and they had time to get the word out. Amen. I wonder if that happened if y'all give me time instead of running all these errands. And maybe am I am I begging you all for something here? 
But what happened? When you can take the worst society, okay, and we do know a lot of them, they're right in our back door, and you can saturate it with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what do you think is going to happen? Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. Souls are going to get saved. Okay? Because Jesus Christ specializes in taking that which is degenerate and making it something beautiful, something wonderful, something glorious. And they take that and they call it his son and his daughter. Amen? Amen. But that happens when the gospel is preached. And when that gospel... When a man of God go before God in prayer and he's looking at the gospel to bring and that gospel is covered in prayer and the prayer is covered in the gospel of the faith, guess what's going to happen when he begins to speak it, when he begins to preach it? It's going to touch lives and if people are going to want to change because they hear the unadulterated word of God, it's going to make a difference in their lives. Because how many of you ever heard say, it looked like the pastor was just talking about me today. <laughs> and never mention your name. Of course, really, you might get your name mentioned. <laughs> You're so small. But it don't mean I'm calling you out. But when the gospel goes forth, you, you sit there squirming on. Wow, who told them about my business? I didn't know I was doing that. I mean, I don't know anything about you or what you did last night or the day before or the week before. But the Holy Spirit does. Okay? And it's the gospel that went through and pierced your heart that convicted you of that sin. Because you were squirming like a monkey, got to get things like your God. Amen? Amen. Say again? Feeling guilty. Feeling guilty, right? Because the Lord did his mother off my back. And God said, you know, one way, repentance. Amen? Amen. And so, that's what happened. The word goes out. People also change and say, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The very place where confusion was taking place, now more souls are being saved. So the remedy of the problem that God appointed holy men who could do the works of the ministry without interfering with the gospel being preached. Okay? And the moment that we can separate that, especially here, once we separate that so that the word of God can go out with power of prayer, watch what happens here. That means some sacrifices were going to have to be made. That means folks are going to have to step up to the plate. And you don't think these brothers sacrificed? Where were these apostles home at? Where were these men from? They were from Galilee. They were from Judea. They were three days journey to the north where they were from. And where are they residing at now? Jerusalem. So they sacrificed and they moved uh, from their hometowns. And some of them gave up businesses. Peter, James, John, and Andrew were all fishermen. Andrew and Peter their fathers had business, James and John, who were brothers. They was in the boat and in the nets when Jesus called them, said, follow me. And their dad was standing by watching. And, and it's also the scripture say, and other servants. So they were wealthy men. They had a family business. And they forsook it. They made the sacrifice, Clinton. Brother Amelia, they made the sacrifice. And they gave up something in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. They saw something greater than themselves. Okay? You don't think these men were married? Go back to scripture and see that Peter was, and it tells us, some of these men were married. They had children. Guess what? Their wives and their children followed them. They gave up everything. When they laid their eyes on Jesus, they knew that they couldn't disappoint him. They knew that they could not displease God by telling the Son of God no. And they knew the price. 
that had to be paid to proclaim the kingdom of our God. And y'all don't think that I couldn't go on out to other lucrative jobs and things? You know how many offers I had? I probably would have been a prison warden right now if I'd have stayed in the prison system because I began to climb through the ranks fast. God, I'm not bragging on myself. God gave me a mind that catches on just like this. And my supervisor can believe it. Mr. Nelson, nobody told Mr. Nelson to train himself. And the guy that they did sat there to train me going, oh, you need to slow down. I kid you not. He said, you need to slow down. You're killing the job. Yeah, and that's the, and I'm telling you. They had an inspector come and his very words were, you're going to make me look bad. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All I was doing was doing my job. But I chose to serve Jesus. And as I got ready to leave the prison to come to the church full time, one of the ladies said to me, she said, do you realize what you're giving up? I said, yes. She said, you're a young man. You still got time to do that. At that time, I was 47 years old. No, 46. 46 or 47, Mr. David. And she said, you're still a young man. You still got time to go and do that. You can serve God later on. I go, are you kidding me? This is later on. <laughs> now is the time for me to serve the Lord with fullness. They didn't understand it. And I left. I went to First Baptist the first several months working as a, they had voted me as one of their pastors with no pay. All the other four pastors getting us full salary and benefit. I got nothing. That church that was taking a million said they couldn't afford to pay me. But I worked full time. Even swapped floors, square bathrooms and all. Wrote the evangelistic plan, everything. I even wrote the church security plan. Because that's why I specialize in, in, in the army. But giving up, folks, giving up stuff so the gospel can go forth requires a sacrifice. Amen. Okay? And I'm still not getting a salary. But you know what? Don't look like I'm going hungry, do it. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ is taking care of. So the apostles were doing something. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just simply testifying and telling you what the Spirit has done in my life. And it's not easy. I can't go out and buy a new truck. Why? I don't have a job. They told me I don't make enough income. But you know what? God got it. I got that van that gives me from point A to point B, even though Emma do call it ugly. <laughs> but you know what? God still blesses us. Look look at you. You're getting the word of God. Amen. Amen. We have, I am no shame. I am pleased and satisfied with our God. What he's doing with my life. Amen. Amen. I understand what Jesus is doing. He's in control. He's enthroned on my heart. He knows what he's doing with me. I don't own me. He owns me. What did the psalmist say? That we're the sheep of your pastor. For you are our God. For you have made us. And we did not make ourselves. So how am I going to tell God? Whoa, 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 whoa. You got that wrong. Hold up. Stop. Rewind, God. Go back. Fix that part. Okay? Because I want it to go this way. No. We can't do that. Life is the theater of God. He gets to choose the actors. And he gets to choose the scenes that he wants you to play in. Okay? You don't get to say so. And in the end, he has an everlasting kingdom. And the son said, well done, my true and faithful servant. Amen. And that's what these apostles were aiming for. They were aiming for a reward that was beyond this world. A crown that would not fade away. And they knew that they could not allow anything to interfere with that. Not even Holly Davidson. Okay. (laughs) Cheap shot. Cheap shot. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's inside joke. <laughs> but you have to keep going. Even as a teenager. Uh, RV, the chief apostle that's sitting in this meeting was called when he was your age. In fact, he, he was in such a childlike state. The scripture tell us that he used to get up in Jesus' lap and lean on his bosom. Like a dad holding his son, hugging him. 
The one that wrote the Gospel of John in the book of Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, is that apostle. Not much older than you when Jesus said, hey, follow me. As a matter of fact, he was one of the first apostles to lay eyes on Jesus. He was one of John the Baptist's followers, and when he heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, him and Andrew, Peter's brother, took off and said, Rabbi, where are you going? And he said, Come and follow. Come and see. And the scripture tells us that they went and spent the day with him. Can you imagine that? You being a teenager, and all of a sudden you're mesmerized by the greatest person that ever walked the earth. You get a chance to be with him the whole day. What's your age, son? Yeah, you're young John. You ready to follow Jesus like that? Because <laughs> he did. And it ended up being the apostle to do the work of the Lord longer than all the rest of them combined. Are you hearing me? He was at this meeting. And they began to watch. Can you imagine sitting there now? You watch Jesus from the beginning. You watch how the crowds mark them. You watch how the crowds cuss them out. You watch how the crowds throw thrones at him and, and, and accuse him of lying and accuse him of being a demon and accuse him of not being the son of God. You watch this from point A to point B. You watch it all the way to the end. You watch them crucified. You stand at the foot of the cross and you watch Jesus say to you, son, behold your mother. <coughs> Jesus just told you now my mother is now your mother. She's now your responsibility. And you say, okay. And you're the same one get to live to be called to heaven and you're not dead. Nobody puts you in the ground. Okay? This is the same apostle that they're preaching the word of God, Mr. David, and folks are being saved hand over fist in Jerusalem. The very place in which it would turn to pure hell in the near distance. Old things are going to get so bad. They have no idea how bad things are going to get. But right now, they have a responsibility to put God's house in order because the spirit of confusion had crept in. And they, by the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, came up with a plan. And that plan is now at work by the Holy Spirit in the men of God. And one of these men are so in love with Jesus... He is so in love with Jesus, when people see him, they think they're looking at an angel. That's the kind of love we need to have for Jesus. It's the same love that Stephen has for Jesus. Watch this. And we're going to finish this next week. Listen. Verse 7, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. Let me tell you something, when hard knocks, hard line people who resisted the gospel are now humbling themselves. You're talking about priests who would not have been caught dead with Jesus are now followers of Jesus. Ain't God good? The very men, some of them voted Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, are now his followers. Because the apostle held true to their calling. They did not allow anything to distract them. And neither should we. Amen. This woman right here, bless her heart, and I'm going to call you out. You could have easily been an army drill sergeant. Because she is direct and bold and in your face. <laughs> yeah. Come on in. Uh, can we pray for you? Or you ought to come and hear him teach the word of God. It's so good. Don't you love Jesus? Why don't you love Jesus? <laughs> this is no shame. <laughs> and, and don't let him say something stupid. Oh boy, it's owned in. Okay? You're stupid. <laughs> no, 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 you're stupid. <laughs> Should come back with a counter argument, just as powerful, if not more powerful. Amen. Okay? But we need more like her. We need more that will say, not only in your face, 
This is the word of God. This is Jesus who died for you. But we also need that one that comes and says, you know what? God understands. Jesus loves you. And is very, very compassionate. Will you give your life over to Jesus? Not that he's going to make everything all right. But you're going to have a Father in Heaven who loves you beyond reproach. We need the gentle side also. And we need those who are not ashamed to get up and praise God wherever they are and sing and play, okay, relentlessly. And shout out to the Lord. We need those. We need every one of your talents, every one of your gifts, every one of your personalities in the kingdom. Because it takes all of us moving together as a family of God in Christ Jesus to let the world see Jesus. Every one of us make up a part of who Jesus is. You may be his ear. You may be his hand. You may be his feet. You may be his face. Okay? You may be his leg. But every person plays a part who Jesus is. Making up together here in High Springs. Every one of us here get to show Jesus in its entirety. When we're working together. When we try to go out there and be long rangers. People look at us. You do what? And, and, and huh? Where are you from? Who you represent? But when we go as a body, we go, oh yeah. Like, the, like last week, we moved as a team out there feeding people, passing out that food. And they called the police on us. What? Three times. Three times. They called the cops on us for passing out free food. And when the police showed up, he said, oh, it's y'all. He said, I should have figured that. <laughs> and he stayed. And he stayed. <laughs> and his own. They stayed the next hour right there with us. So you see what happens when we're working together as a body of Christ, as a team, loving people, loving God, loving each other. And you're going to get on each other's nerves at times. You don't think the apostles got on each other's nerves? You betcha they did. You said it was suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Looking suspicious. Yeah. How does free food look suspicious? In the name of God. <laughs> okay? But persecution comes in different forms. That was a form of persecution. They picked up the phone and called the cops on us for doing the work of Christ. He told us to give out free food. Did he not? I can show you Matthew chapter 25 just in case you didn't know it. Okay? So, as we get ready to close this out, God took this church places in a short distance that it had never gone before. Jesus Christ magnified his kingdom in Jerusalem. Yeah, there were some strikes against it. But the apostles held fast. They stood fast. As Paul, i like to tell you a little bit that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at the end of that chapter. Those men remained steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor was not in vain. Amen? And that's what we have to do. You have to persevere. You have to keep going. Keep pushing forward. As we like to say in the army, we got to keep moving forth in the foxhole. And every now and then, you got to get out of the foxhole and charge towards the enemy. Okay? Because if not, they're going to overrun your position. And folks, I'm here to tell you, it's time to get out the foxhole. Amen? It's time to get out the foxhole and go forward. And conquer this new land called High Springs. You want, and we'll pick up with Stephen next week. Go, go ahead, dog. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want you to get more exercise today. <laughs> I thought you <laughs> And so, amazing things happen here. When you subject yourself to the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. Things happen. Look where the Lord has brought us from. Look where he's getting ready to take us. Okay? And don't let silly in your windows get in your way. Like little silly things that we say at each other and silly little things that we do. Okay? Because there was silliness that took place in Jerusalem, was it not? 
mistreating one group of people, showing favoritism over others. That's not what the Lord wants. Silliness. But silliness can be overcome when right men and women do what God says. Amen? And we see that. And the fruits of their labor is that God added to the church. He built his own church. Reminding us of Psalm 121, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor builds it in vain. So God is awesome in all of his ways. He loves you. Jesus demonstrated God's love towards you and me. Now it's time for you and me to demonstrate our love back towards them. Okay? Let's invite people here. Ladies, young man, the banquet is Thursday night for the youth. We're going, it's going to be extravagant. We're going to give you a good time. We're going to show, we're going to have the place laid out for you. But this is your banquet from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're asking Ms. and Mrs. Bates to come. We're asking that you come. We're asking that you all come. Come and be with the youth. Okay, they need to see what relationship looks like. Okay? They need to learn how to respect one another and treat one another with God's love. Jesus requires it. Okay? And invite a friend. Say, listen, come on. Anne Marie and her husband doing the cooking. God bless them. They're paying for everything. Thank you, Jesus. If we can bless us, I mean, this ministry, the Lord is blessing the hand over. We not haven't been paid for anything lately. Folks say, I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that. But it's only favor coming from God when the people of God submit to the will of God. It's only where it's going to happen. Dick, will you tell Miss Nelson so I don't get in trouble when I get home that we're about finished, we're closing out over here? But do know Jesus loves you. And for those who are around the world, we want you to know that the Son of God loves you too. There's no difference in us than you. And that's what was demonstrated in Jerusalem that day. There was a division that was taking place. One group was saying, oh, you're better than we are. And the other group was saying, we're better than you are. And God said, no, I love you both. Amen? Amen. I love you both equally because you belong to me. That's what Jesus says. Now I want you to imagine this as we get ready to close out in prayer. Imagine the body of Jesus. Imagine this way now. One part black, one part white. One part yellow, one part brown. Amen? And one part freckle, a red-headed, a bald-headed. Okay? A blonde, a brunette, or afro. But imagine your name being on his body. Imagine your, your Jesus part of Jesus' DNA. That's you. That's you. You're part of his DNA. That's me. Because when he died on that cross for me and you, he brought us right into his body. The Bible says that he reconciles us in his own body. Reconciliation means to bring in and to make one. That's what it means. Zor, you've been brought into the body of Jesus. He brought you right into himself. You're part of who he is. Are they? I want you to hear this, son. Jesus has brought you into his own body and made you part of him. Same for you, sis. And same for every person out there. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has brought us in. And together, we make up who he is. And that's wonderful. And it kind of reminds you of what David said. I know that I'm wonderfully and marvelous made, and my soul knows right well. Amen? Amen. Every head bow.
Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Powerful word today, Father. Because Lord Jesus is all about you. We must be given the time to do your work. And your work must go forward. Your name must be proclaimed. Your gospel must be preached. So that you can add daily to your church. So that you can do your own work. You are anointed by your spirit. To bring sons and daughters. To pull them out of the kingdom of darkness. And place them in the kingdom of your light. That's what you do, Father. That's what you do. And so Lord, we're asking you today. Touch every one of us now as you've given us ownership in your body. Because we do make up your body individually and collectively we are the body of Christ around the world. Help us to go forth now as individual members and yet collectively bring in others into this fold, into the body of Jesus, Father. For your glory, for you who sits upon your throne. Have your way with us. Watch over Israel. Watch over these United States and watch over every nation in which your children reside. Have your way. Place your angels all around us, Lord, and allow your spirit to move us forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>